Blog Talk Radio. Another broadcast of the Clarion Call on WRTS FM and WIGO, Atlanta's incredible radio, 1570 on your dial. We thank you for joining us here as we prepare to celebrate uh, the Martin Luther King holiday weekend. Uh, This weekend is always one that has meaning for me, uh, not just because of Dr. King, but also it's my birthday. That's right. I share Dr. King's actual birthday, January the 15th, and we are so uh, happy that the Lord has allowed us to see another um, holiday, a weekend where we can uh, celebrate, you know, Dr. King's legacy and also, uh, you know, again, uh, be able to celebrate my own life on the earth. And hopefully I might be able to participate and do something well uh, before I leave uh, this journey here on planet Earth. Uh, today we have a outstanding guest that is going to be joining us here. Uh, one of the things that is uh, great about living in the city of Atlanta is that you have an opportunity to uh, see and do things that the rest of the world uh, wants to see and do as well. Um, the Center for Civil and Human Rights uh, is located right here in downtown Atlanta, and it's in the spot where I like to call on my sports show the conundrum of uh, sports and now entertainment in the southeast and really becoming that part of the nation as well. Uh, it, it really is um, amazing, that whole area, how it is, has metamorphosed from just a simple downtown area, uh, starting with the Olympics back in the 90s with the phenomenal Centennial Park that's there with the fountain and the Olympic rings. And as you continue to go heading to uh, the south, you will find, again, the center of sports for Atlanta. You have the uh, Georgia Dome. You have the uh, Phillips Arena where the Hawks are balling out. That's the sports side of me coming back out. And you also have there uh, the CNN Center, Omni Hotel, and now, of course, the uh, National Center for civil and human rights. Also, you have the wonderful world of Coca-Cola and you have the aquarium. So all of this is now within walking distance of a downtown Atlanta. And so if you are visiting here, uh, you certainly have an opportunity without having to stress yourself out or worry about, you know, a lot of taxi cabs and so forth. You can kind of come right down Atlanta and find everything. Now, I, I will say that, and I'll talk to Mr. Shipman about this very briefly. I will say that, you know, for myself, uh, I am curious to why uh, the Civil and Human Rights Center is there and not located more towards, uh, you know, the home, the traditional home of Dr. King, or maybe even in the area that is uh, where the, you know, HBCUs, historically black colleges like Morehouse. So, uh, you know, again, I'm sure he had no <laughs> no direct hand in that, but just in looking at that location, it is curious uh, to why it wasn't put there uh, to, again, bring more to the legacies. And that was literally Dr. King's stomping grounds uh, in in his uh, tenure here in Atlanta. But nevertheless, we're going to talk to him today about, you know, the things that are going on. Uh, certainly, we have a lot of um, problems still left in the area of civil rights. 
And, uh, you know, recently we have had, unfortunately, uh, multiple incidents of the police uh, shooting citizens who are unarmed and uh, questions to obviously the legality and the intent of those actions. And it has created a firestorm across this nation. Also, if we look around the world, we can see that there is still much to be done in the area of human and civil rights. And we'll talk to him about that. Uh, it's very interesting because if you go to the center, uh, it honors uh, many people who were involved in civil rights. And again, many of them hailed and lived right here in Atlanta. So they honor these leaders. Some of them, thankfully, are still alive. But two of them I can mention right off the top is uh, a gentleman who's actually on the board. He's taking a leave of absence right now, uh, Ambassador Andrew Young. Of course, he is a man that has had a tremendous life of impact while he was here on uh, and doing uh, what he did, especially in his younger years. He obviously was an aide, a close aide to Dr. King. Uh, he uh, later went on to be uh, the mayor of the city of Atlanta, and he also became the ambassador to the United States, appointed by uh, former governor and then president uh, Jimmy Carter. So he has a tremendous legacy, and, and the Andrew Young Foundation um, and instructional centers that are based here in Atlanta have continued to make a huge impact on the lives of uh, budding citizens. The other person is uh, Joseph Lowry, Reverend Joseph Lowry, uh, who sadly lost his wife and great partner uh, in life just not too long ago, but he continues to soldier on uh, in his advanced age. I believe he's closing in on 90, if he's not 90 already, uh, and he has been a fixture even in his advanced age, there's so many events that you would go to, and they still continue uh, to have at the SCL Center, uh, the women's area, which is named after his wife. They still continue to have each and every week uh, what they call a people's agenda meeting where uh, the citizen, just the average citizen, can come in and be able to interact with uh, civil rights groups, nonprofit organizations, and talk about uh, strategies on how just the people can have a better way of life uh, can get more access to uh, the norm of what a citizen in the United States should expect, especially those who are, quote-unquote, living uh, the American dream. Uh, again, you're listening to the Clarion Call, or I should say WRTS-FM, Worship and Real Talk Show for Men, uh, as we broadcast here, and we are waiting for our guest uh, for the afternoon. is Doug Shipman, CEO of Civil and Human Rights here, excuse me, the National Center for Civil and Human Rights right here based in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, you know, we, we, we look here at, again, so many things are going on uh, in this life. And as, as a man who is a, a minister also, uh, I will tell you that uh, it is really imperative in this season that we continue to draw close uh, to the Lord God Almighty. Uh, because you can see, unless you're a blind bat, that all of the things that the Bible talked about uh, in the ending of time, uh, as things would come to its conclusion, you can see a lot of these things coming to pass. You can see a, a certain level of lawlessness in the air. You can see a certain level of angst, of of really, to some degree, bad intent by people. And it's filtered into all areas of our society. As I mentioned, I also cover some sports. And I'm going to throw in a shameless plug right now. If you want to hear sports from a different perspective, check us out on the Real Talk Sports Show. We broadcast here locally in Atlanta on Atlanta's incredible radio, WIGO 1570. Uh, you can also listen to us streaming live, WIGOAM.com. 
And you can also find us on the TuneIn Radio application. Just put in WIGO 1570 in the search engine, and you will find the station. Or if you want to follow me, you can, uh, through the sports show, you can also find us on, um, by, again, putting in Real Talk Sports on the search engine. You also can go to our website, www.realtalksports.net, to find out some of the things we're doing here. So many really inspiring things that you begin to hear from these young athletes and these young men on what they're doing. So I implore you to check that out. And check out the ministry page. Consider the word ministries, that's plural, dot org, and you will find some wonderful inspiration. We have some uh, some streaming, uh, I should say an RSS feed of inspirational biblical scriptures. We have some tremendous uh, videos there. We also have some videos on the sports page on our inspiration tab. So we really want to make sure that we hit you with everything we can in terms of uh, making sure that you are uh, getting inspired as you go along your day, because there's so much that we have uh, to look at, so many things that are going on. So we want to certainly uh, be a part of that which is good and that which is inspiring uh, in the nation. So again, check those websites out. The other thing is you can follow us on social media. We're available on um, social media. You can follow this show uh, at WRTS-FM. You can also uh, follow the radio station at WIGOAM1570. You can follow me personally at Minister J. Sim, and that's Minister, uh, the initial J-S-I-M-M. And i uh, love to stay in contact with you. We don't do that much automated tweeting, so usually when it's a tweet, it's actually me uh, or it's actually someone from the station if you tweet WIGO. So we're, we are part of the humanoids, and uh, we will, uh, like I said, stay engaged with you uh, socially. Last but not least, if there's anything that uh, you have in terms of a great idea, if you say, geez, I've always wanted to be a show host, I've always wanted to kind of get my message out, uh, WIGO has some wonderful opportunities for citizen broadcasters. Uh, you can have your own business. Uh, you can be in ministry. You can be like me, also do some sports. Whatever it is, uh, you can come on and just uh, contact me at this number, 678 304 or send me an email, helpchurches at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to uh, get you on the air to join us. It's a wonderful station, great people over there. Our GM, uh, Larry Young, our program director, uh, Kevin Buchanan, and just a, a great crew of people over there. So hopefully you'll be able to join us. Again, you, we are waiting for our guest for the day, Doug Shipman, who is the CEO of uh, the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about the legacy of Dr. King, and uh, we hope to, again, hear from him in just a few moments. While we're waiting for him, I'll give you a little backdrop on uh, the Civil Rights Organization, excuse me, Organization the Center. Uh, it is, uh, again, located in downtown Atlanta. Uh, it's now a basically a cultural attraction that connects the American civil rights movement to today's global human rights movement. Uh, the purpose of the center is to create a safe place for visitors to explore the fundamental rights of all human beings so that they leave inspired and empowered to join the ongoing dialogue about human rights in their communities. The center was first imagined by civil rights legends Evelyn, Low excuse me, Evelyn Lowry, who I mentioned earlier, and former United States Ambassador Andrew Young, and was launched by former Mayor Shirley Franklin. The effort gained uh, broad-based corporate and community support become one of the few places in the world educating visitors uh, on the bridge between the American civil rights movement and the contemporary human, 
I can speak English eventually, the contemporary human rights movements uh, that are going on around the world. It was established in uh, 2007. The groundbreaking uh, 43,000-square-foot facility is located on Pemberton Place, which, again, as I mentioned, is adjacent to the wonderful world of Coke and the Georgia Aquarium on land donated by the Coca-Cola Company. So uh, we are certainly looking at a corporate and community partnership there with it. Uh, the mission of the National Center for Civil and Human Rights is to empower, um, make sure I have this right here as I read this here, is to empower people to take the protection of every human rights personally through sharing stories of courage and struggle around the world. The center encourages visitors to gain a deeper understanding of the role they play in helping to protect the rights of all people. Their vision for this center is the National Center of Civil and Human Rights harnesses Atlanta's legacy of civil rights to strengthen the worldwide movement for human rights. Atlanta, of course, has played a unique leadership in the role of modern American civil rights movement and through harnessing Atlanta's legacy and galvanizing the corporate, faith-based, public sector, and university communities, the center uh, will serve as the ideal place to reflect on past, the past, transform the present, and inspire the future. And again, that was the preamble that was uh, given us uh, from the center itself. Well, I think we have our guest of the day on. I'm going to uh, check our line and see if he's there. Mr. Shipman, are you there? I am here. Fantastic, sir. Well, uh, thank you for joining our program, and uh, we know that you are uh, full throttle <laughs> uh, with lots of things going on for this weekend. So we'll we'll, we'll get to it first. We'll kind of get to some of the meat here. Um, what do you think Dr. King would say if he had an opportunity to look at America today? Well, I think Dr. King would be talking about the same things that he was talking about at the end of his life. He, his last book was called Chaos or Community, and he talked about building a community where everyone was a part of it or society was going to end up in chaos. And he identified three key issues, poverty, race, uh, poverty, racism, and war. And I think all three of those issues are very much with us today. So I think in, in many ways King would be talking about the same issues but obviously those issues have changed. They've become more complex in some ways, and he would be inspiring us and challenging us to create a world in which everybody can be part of it. Well, well it's interesting that you, that you bring that up because, you know, one of the things that has uh, come across my plate, uh, because I have a, a, a kind of a multi-background, I am myself a minister. Uh, I also do a sports show on our station as well. And when we look at the, the new uh, expansion in the new Atlanta Stadium, there is some concern there that that stadium now kind of having this huge footprint near a traditional community that has had so much impact, especially in the African, African-American community. The, the hope is, uh, is that, that that building will bring what you talk about, uh, being able to maybe lift some residents out of poverty. And up to this point, there hasn't seemed to have been as much activity as maybe citizens would hope. And, and even me, as I was looking at this, and uh, certainly I enjoy the uh, the whole, uh, uh, I like to call it the conundrum of sports and entertainment now in Atlanta, it, it was a little curious to me that they put the museum at that location, again, not moving it closer um, to the HBCU. So, uh, you know, again, as you, as you mentioned uh, so accurately, race and economics still is a huge footprint here as far as making sure that everyone can enjoy uh, their civil and human rights. 
Absolutely. I mean, Dr. King talked about that if, if a man can't eat, he can't be free. And I think that, that so often we try to think about poverty as different from political rights, as different from other kinds of issues, but they're so much linked. You know, just you talked about a, a couple of the, the things that have been built. You know, the, the, we put the center uh, downtown and next to some of the other tourist attractions because we thought that people would find us who might not otherwise find the story, and then hopefully they would go from us to the King District, to the HBCUs, and we would, in fact, kind of be an engine for, for new people to discover these stories when they visit Atlanta. You know, when it comes to the, the stadium, um, any of these big projects that come to neighborhoods, there's an opportunity that's huge to, to create jobs, to create economic vitality in that community, but it takes a lot of hard work. Um, it takes a lot of hard work by a lot of people, and I, I am hopeful, um, but I think that we all have to be mindful of making sure that that work is done by those who are building the stadium, not only now, but then also uh, down the down the road that we make sure that we're engaging the community in the ways we should. Absolutely. Hopefully the center will be able to uh, be part of that conversation since you guys are, again, as you mentioned, uh, right in the hub of not only uh, these attractions socially, but again, uh, so much of the sports engine is located there with now even the College Football Hall of Fame located right near you, and they themselves having within the College Hall of Fame a black College Hall of Fame as well. So uh, we certainly hope that moving forward that, you know, everybody can, uh, you know, see the history, be a part of it, and uh, hopefully not, uh, you know, repeat some of the uh, uh, mistakes from the past. Uh, speaking of that, what, what kind of role – you know, so far, I know you guys have only been open for a few years, has the Center uh, for Civil and Human Rights played in dealing with some of the, the civil rights issues of today? Well, we've actually only been open seven months, so we're, we're still just okay, getting yeah. out of the gate. <laughs> I forgot groundbreaking was um, in 2007. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. But we, we've done uh, several things. We Obviously, we have hosted tens of thousands of people since we've been open, especially students. So we um, host students to have conversations, to experience the center together, to reflect on what it is they should be doing. And then we've hosted a whole set of programs and educational initiatives. Just this week, we actually had a town hall about the issues of Ferguson and New York, We have a theater group coming in over the weekend that's done some original work on issues of race um, today. We uh, we actually have programs with the both the Hawks and the Atlanta Braves where we talk about the issues of sports and social justice. Uh, we've done film series. We've done t- uh, the topic of immigration, bringing together 25 people for several weeks. There are a whole host of things that we try to do to spark dialogue, but also to allow visitors and participants to discover the things that they want to work on and then to be inspired by the techniques from the past and the present that uh, allow them to be more effective on the things they are working on. You mentioned uh, in, in that uh uh, in your response there about uh, the students and also you guys having a, a forum about Ferguson and Eric Garner cases. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think it's touched such a deep core? Because I was at the Ebenezer uh, event where our attorney general, Eric Holder was there and the younger people, which we were one of those of back in the day, they seem to really have a passion that we have not seen for some time. Well, I think it's it's touched a nerve in, in a few ways. One is it raises the questions as to whether or not communities are being protected by those who should protect them, the police, the political structure and such. And in America, when we when we feel as if that the, the government has turned against us, that obviously uh, touches a huge nerve. Also, in those cases, the issue of the fairness of the justice system. Are people being treated equally and given a fair uh, justice 
depending on what they look like. Um, and then I think there's a third piece. We commissioned a, an original mural that just went up last week by an artist named Gaia around the hashtag, If They Gun Me Down. And I'm not sure if, if you haven't seen it, look it up. And it basically asks the question, if I were gunned down, what picture would they use in the story? Would they use a picture of me in a suit and tie or me in my military uniform? Or would they you know, put a picture up of me in a hoodie or messing around with my friends? And would that picture be different if I were African-American or if I were white or if I were Latino? And I think that that's touched a core because the media coverage has felt so different. I just saw this, this very interesting hashtag or a Twitter post yesterday, and it said, white people rampaging through their communities, when are they going to stop? And it was in reference to the Ohio State students who um, burned tires and turned over cars when Ohio State won the national championship. And, of course, that story wasn't covered in the same way that we've seen other stories covered. So, so I think those issues of inequality and unfairness really resonate with young people. Well, it's interesting because uh, it seems like uh, it, it keeps coming back uh, to, you know, my other hat that I wear, sports coverage. And that's one of the things that we're concerned with is, you know, how can we, uh, you know, get a more balanced message? Because I even noticed in the way they covered the Falcons as they go on their, their search uh, for a new coach and some of the comments that have been made in the general media um, that have painted an interesting picture. Uh, as they looked at three candidates, two of them being African-American, one of them now have been hired somewhere else. So it, it just seems that everywhere we look, we we need to all be taking a second look at how we're examining one another uh, and so forth and so on. Well, listen, I know, again, you have a, a, a great um, amount of things to do, so I'm not going to hold you too much longer. I do want to ask you just a couple of more questions. Uh, you, you mentioned already for us some of the programs that you guys have working with uh, the students, also working with some of the professional teams. What, what should we do as just average listeners to try to be more cognizant, to try to, you know, be a part of the solution of civil and human rights? Well, I think that you know, one of the questions King asked uh, at, uh, throughout his life was, what are you doing for others? I think every individual, no matter where they live, can one, build relationships with people who are very different than themselves, people from different racial backgrounds, religious backgrounds, different nationalities, so that they understand the life that someone else is leading. And then two, they can think about the ways large and small in their congregations, in their communities, in their workplaces, that they can actually open up and make it easier for that other person. Can we make it easier for somebody of a different faith? Can we make it easier and better for somebody of a different race? I think that's how we continue to make society better. Of course, there are big issues we should work on, but the deeper relationships we have across the lines that divide us that's when we can confront the problems when they arise more easily. Now, is that what drove you? Because when I was looking at your background, I mean, you have, a, again, a, a, a life uh, well-lived, I would say, in terms of exposure to different things. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm reading correctly, you actually uh, graduated from the Harvard School of Divinity. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so how has that impacted you as far as being, you know, again, a guy who was, you know, a man of faith, and also a man has walked in various corporate positions. How has that kind of affected you, and how does that help you as you now take on this challenge of, of being over this center for civil and human rights? Well, I think that, you know, the business background helps you to make sure that it's sustainable, that it's economically viable, that you're doing things in, in smart ways. But for me personally, you know, I am a descendant but not a participant in the civil rights legacy. I was born in Arkansas in the early 70s, and so for me, it's about trying to understand that legacy, being inspired by it, 
when I moved to Atlanta to go to college, I used to go to services at Old Ebenezer Church when it was in the old building. Um, and I think just being uh, so aware of the impact that that movement had, but then saying, well, how is it relevant to me? I didn't live through it. It's not my history. I'm a recipient of it. What's driven me at every stage is, you know, can this legacy be used to help even more and more people who are um, uh, from different backgrounds? And that's how I try to be involved. And absolutely, and it is something I'm sure that is a uh, a difficult thing to walk from time to time. Because, like I said again, uh, you you said it so poignantly that uh, or accurately that you are not from the community here uh, that basically kind of dealt with this being not an African American. Um, coming from, you know, the South in, in a different construct, uh, and now taking all of these things and having to be a part of this opening and then have all of these issues pop up right away. So uh, we certainly hope that uh, everyone on your staff, everyone that is supporting you through the board, uh, continues to push forward. Because the other thing is that you guys are walking a tightrope because you have input from organizations that's and people that sometimes – all right, odds, corporate world, government, and the local citizens. So, uh, you know, our hope is that uh, you guys can find a way uh, to stay on mission, uh, be uh, a – what's the word I'm looking for? Be someone that can carry the truth of this message uh, without compromise. Again, that's really our, our hope and prayer for you. Well, listen, what, how can people find out more about the center and uh, especially any events that you guys still have remaining for the King Weekend? Sure. They can always find us online. Civilandhumanrights.org is our website. Um, uh, so the Center for Civil and Human Rights on Facebook, on Twitter, but civilandhumanrights.org uh, civil has all of our listings and everything that we're doing. We're open up the whole King weekend. People can come and see us every day. Now, last but not least, anything special planned? Because this is, in fact, your first uh, MLK weekend. Anything that you guys have that just you say this is something that is just you got to come. Well, we actually have a, a lot of different things happening every day, but the one reason I think people should come is because right now in the King Gallery, we have actually the sermon that King delivered in Selma, the handwritten sermon, the outline of the speech that he delivered at the end of the Selma to Montgomery March. You literally can touch that history right now on his birthday, and I think that's something that's, that's very memorable and will really, really touch people. Well, well listen, uh, CEO of the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, Doug Shipman, a guy who is going to be front and center, uh, all part of the uh, Martin Luther King celebration. Thank you, Doug. Well, uh, we appreciate those of you who have stopped by to listen to us today. Uh, we appreciate you, again, coming on and just checking us out. You know, I like to mention to you each and every day when I talk to you or get a chance to talk to you, how important it is, your, again, your relationship is with God, and that is found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, as your personal savior. Please, man, please, sir. He loves you more than anyone else. And without him, you cannot see God when you leave here and try to reach heaven. So if you don't know him, get to know him now. Listen, I thank you so much for helping me celebrate my birthday weekend and honoring the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. We leave you here with a song that has touched me and touched the nation. It is by Kevin LeVar. It is simply called Your Destiny. Too valuable to give it up for anything. God bless you. Have a great day.
Everything you've ever dreamed, everything you prayed for, everything he promised you that you'd get waiting on the other side. 